Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Blitz. Wow. What is this summer box office going to be now that the Avengers have come out? What else is there to see? I don't know, Dave. I'm looking around, and I'm not really sure. I don't think the summer box office is even technically supposed to be a wasteland, and it certainly won't be. But what are we going to call this podcast? I think I just saw a tumbleweed blow through the theater, so I think we're running into some trouble here. What are we going to call this summer preview episode? Hmm. Let's see. How about this? Rick and Nick, episode 28. That's what we're at, right? 28? I think. I think. Dr. Summer, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love a Post-Avengers Movie Calendar. But what is possibly going to be coming out this summer, who the people are going to get excited about now that the Avengers have already come and gone? You know what, Dave? I don't know. But let's find out. Well, we made it. We got out of the throng of people that went to go see Infinity War, and we are back. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. Welcome to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. It's going to be a doozy today. Thanks for coming along with us. We are sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Great place to go catch a movie. They've also got $5 movie Tuesdays. Really enjoy having the Bemidji Theater on board as a Rick and Nick Talk Flicks sponsor for the podcast. That's where Dave and I each went to go see Avengers Infinity War along with just hordes of other people who went to go see i mean that's how you, packed the place you was. were gonna we went on preview night you went to go get a ticket i got mine earlier in the day you were turned away they sold out they were for the late preview show which yep. doesn't usually happen anymore yeah but that was that was the thursday night premiere yeah. so i wasn't too shocked when i got in i was i was kind of thrilled i was like oh great nine thirty is still open i quickly make it a brisk walk to get on up there and then suddenly sold out flashes oh. on the screen there that that's kind of the beauty and the oh. and the and the <laughs> downside of something like that is you know instantly okay they're sold out you can head on out and leave but then it's like oh man now i know it took yeah. me a couple of weeks to see i forget which i think it was the lord of the rings two towers because those movies were so long so there were less show times, and they sold out all the time. Right. So I'd go and try to get tickets for it, and I couldn't make this one. So I tried another time, and couldn't make it. It took two weeks, I think, before I could actually see it. But today, rather than looking back, we're looking forward. The summer movie season, I'm going to argue, has now begun. With the Avengers Infinity War coming out in late April, my prognosis that summer movies start earlier and earlier, the summer movie season will start just after Christmas, before too long, the way we're going. But nonetheless, the summer season is officially underway, says it I. It is, yes. So we're going to take a sneak peek as to what's coming out, not just the tent poles, but maybe a couple others you might want to think about. Right. And Plus, then. And then, at the back end of the podcast, we will do a deep dive into the Avengers and discuss Infinity War. So, 
beware. There will be lots of spoilers when we get to that point. In fact, if you have not been to see the movie yet, I would highly suggest listen to our summer preview portion, then cut it off when we get to that point in the podcast today. And get back and listen to it once you've seen the movie. You got it. You can pick up whenever it suits you, but we are going to go very deep in on it. We'll give our reactions to what is now the highest grossing opening weekend film of all time. $250 million. It beat out Star Wars, The Force Awakens, which pulled in just a shade under $248 million in its opening weekend. So we'll discuss plenty when we get to that point. So again, be prepared. There will be a lot of spoilers by that point, but we're going to start by looking ahead rather than looking back to begin the podcast today. I keep thinking they should, you know, how successful was the movie not based on money it raked in? Ticket prices go up. How many tickets were sold? I mean, do they sell about the same tickets as Star Wars? More? Less? With ticket prices going up, you could sell less tickets and make more money. That's and not to mention inflation. I mean, right. That's why they have the adjusted for inflation yeah. numbers, which many say Gone with the Wind will never be surpassed. Yeah, on. Gone with the Wind, the most highest grossing movie when you factor in inflation ever. But even then, it should be tickets sold. How many theaters are out there? How many tickets are sold? How many shows and blah blah blah. That should be your true barometer, not money brought in. You know what I mean? I think that's pretty fair, Dave. Yeah, it's it's something worth keeping in mind, or at least when we evaluate these things, maybe we shouldn't be so impressed by that as we are by those other factors. So, since we have a couple of uh, some fair amount of ground to cover here, since summer now is now going to include May and right through Memorial Weekend, one of the nice things is that with Adventures out, a lot of other studios realize, well, let's not put in some big tentpole movie just yet. Let's wait. In fact, the next big movie to come out isn't going to be for a couple of weeks, Deadpool 2, because you might as well let Avengers have its run and just run crazy at the box office. This happened when the episode one Phantom Menace came out. Nothing really came out for a couple of weeks after that, because why are you going to compete? Correct. So so with that in mind, we have a couple of bigger tentpole-type movies that are coming later in May. They're, yep. they're waiting for the Avengers storm to blow over as much as they can, and as much as that storm could blow over. But we get a couple of releases here in the next few weeks that are intriguing if you like alternative type of releases and and something a little bit different. For instance, there are two this weekend that you're looking at in particular, Dave. Uh, Well, actually, I was looking forward into May. There's a couple more that are coming out. You've got uh, Disobedience. You've got Kings. Um, They look interesting. Um, they're going to be slightly altered. But you know, one thing I would like to bring up before we delve into the actual movies, it used to be for the longest time, Memorial Weekend. That was the start of summer in a lot of people's eyes, including the box office. Prior to Memorial Weekend, you didn't have big movies. And in the last, call it 10 years, they've just kind of further back. Let's get ourselves a little more chance. Let's open the week before Memorial Weekend. And now we've got Avengers in late April. Marvel, in particular, has had a habit of doing that. I know Star Wars had kind of cornered the market on either Memorial Day weekend or even the couple of weekends prior. They've had a few May releases previously. So it's just kind of the way things have gone and and the direction things have gone. Yeah, it's interesting. But just it wouldn't be a good summer preview without bringing up that. So you look back at the summer of 2017 where Wonder Woman ruled the roost. So clearly superheroes are going to rule the roost again. And if you're going to count the Avengers Infinity War as a movie of superheroes, which definitely qualifies, it is probably already going to rule the roost before anything else comes out. So that being said, so you move into May, and we've each come up with a different list as to what's coming out this. So based on the list I'm looking at, one that I've got an interest in 
is a remake. It'll come out in early May called Overboard, and it's a remake of a Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell comedy from the 80s. It was not a anything special movie, but so it's not necessarily that sacred ground that you don't dare remake. To remake this particular movie would be fine. But it would be interesting. Anna Ferris, who doesn't love what she does? Right, so there's Overboard, which is coming up this weekend, one of those movies that, again, is trying to find a niche audience within the Avengers craze, and however much or however little they get coming back here on the second weekend, which it looks like they'll get plenty of business coming up this weekend. And then alongside of that is is another one that you were kind of curious about, and that was Tully, which is starring Charlize Theron, um, and is is another somewhat different off-the-beaten-path movie that's coming along this weekend. Yeah, and that's, you know, Diablo Cody is kind of like, um, I'm not going to draw a direct comparison, but I think you'll get where I'm going here, is she's kind of like the female Quentin Tarantino as far as dialogue. It's snappy, it moves, Aaron Sorkin, if you like how the, the story moves as she far as- She did Juno. She did Juno, yeah. she did a lot of movies, Jennifer's Body, whether it didn't get reviews, great, but it's lived on pretty well after the fact. They're smart, they're snappy, the dialogue just keeps rolling. Um, and it looks like it'll be a pretty good story. So she's won an Oscar. She knows what she's doing. Uh, I'm a fan. Like her or not, I'm a fan. So that one is coming out here pretty quick. Yes. So those are a couple of the options that are that are coming along here for this coming weekend. Beyond that, May 11th, there's there's nothing. Uh, there, there's a couple of different options that are out there. Nothing too huge, although really good cast that's coming up for the for the movie Terminal, which is going yeah. to have Margot Robbie as well as Simon Pegg, Mike Myers in there as well, um, with a kind of a, a double life kind of movie that that's going on there, especially with Margot Robbie at the center of that. Yeah, she's become a an actress darling with her Tanya Harding portrayal. Um, I think it looks like a pretty good story, got a good cast, and oftentimes you don't get that kind of a cast around a movie that's eh. You know, it's, it's, anything can happen once the movie leaves the script and actually makes it onto screen, things can go sideways, but uh, I have aspirations for this. If you're looking for a comedy that same weekend, Life of the Party, Jennifer, um, uh, not Jennifer McCarthy, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, yep. she's funny in everything she does. She actually, I think she directed the movie. So not only is she in it, but she's moving she's up. Scre- she's officially a screenwriter. Ben Falcone is the director for it. Okay, there you go. Yeah, she, I knew she was doing something significant behind the scenes. So when she's involved in more than just on screen, then you know you've got something funny. She is talented. I don't Whether you like her or not, and I think most people do, she is funny. From on screen to Sean Spicer impersonations on SNL, she's a goddess. So she's going to be in theaters again. You know, there usually is a Melissa McCarthy movie in the mix here. Finding something a little different this time. She's with a, a busy working actress. With a back to college type of theme for this one. So that'll yeah. be May 11th. Kind of like a, ver- a female. Have you ever seen the Rodney Dangerfield Back to School from the 80s? No, I haven't. It seems like it's one of those where the, the mother is going to go back to college with her daughter. It's the same kind of plot set up, except it's you know, not Rodney Dangerfield. It's right. Melissa McCarthy. And Back to School was awesome. If this can tap into that same genre the same way, we got a winner. It could become a classic in its time. May 18th is where we first get a tentpole that really sets up a, a big-time movie that sets up in the wake of the the Avengers craze, oh, yeah. shall we say. And oh, it yeah. is what is expected to be a pretty big sequel, Deadpool 2, coming along, which I know a lot of people who were big fans of the original Deadpool are very excited about and to see what is going to come along with the uh, the 
Very against the grain superhero, oh, anti-hero, yeah. shall we say? You know, if they say what you want about Marvel. Clearly, they just struck gold with the Avengers. They're going to do it again with Deadpool, but it's not. Again, if you're a parent that's got kids that want to go see the superhero movies, do not bring your kids to see Deadpool. It happened the first one. It's going to happen again this one, and five minutes you'd into the think movie. That people would have learned their lesson. You'd think, yeah. but people don't pay attention. There's a reason why there's a poster that has the rating, and R means restricted. Don't bring kids under 17. That's what R-rated movies mean. I was in Deadpool, and some parents came in. I'm like, really? Five, ten minutes in, they all got up and walked out. You didn't think that, you know, people at the front told them, hey, you got to know that, so you've been warned. So don't do it. But, I mean, for those of us that can handle the R-rated movies, it is designed for me, basically, a grown movie fan that likes comic book heroes. It's vulgar. It's snappy. It's funny. And it's a great all-around action movie, just not the kind that you're maybe necessarily used to. But it's going to be a hit. Huge hit. Yeah. And and it's going to bring a lot of humor into the mix as well because that's just how Deadpool is. Did you see the first one yet? I, I still have not seen the first one. It just... Do you want me to loan it to you? I I could I could stand to have it loaned to me. I just it, it's just not my kind of movie that uh, I would go see in theaters and really be like, I have plans to go see this. Yeah, it's not Avengers. It's not for everybody, and it's not no. just not for little kids. It's not for adults too. It's just it's a different type of movie, and if it's not your thing, I love horror movies, but there's some type of horror movies I don't want to see. So I understand completely. By the way, how about this for a couple weeks span for Josh Brolin, who is currently yeah. starring as Thanos, and now he'll be in Deadpool 2 as well. As the bad guy in both, which is interesting. You know, here's a, talk about a goonie that's got a big career resurgence. No Country for wow. Men and Men in Black 3, and you know, now he's a super, super bad guy. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, he's had a he's had a big couple of weeks. Good for him. You know, one thing I always think about, and this is a sidebar that's going somewhere, so bear with me here, is I always think about my parents when these summer movies come out. Because for us, it's a great time to go to the theater. For them, not so much. Because a lot of it are those tentpole movies of which they don't really care about. You know, they'd, say, ah, they'd be going to the movies, they'd see a preview for something upcoming, they'd look at each other, that's ah, a movie for our kid. You know, but then you get a movie like Book Club that's coming out. And this one is for the parents. If you're an older audience goer, and I'm not trying to, you know, put somebody into a corner, but people ask for movies for them. This is that. This is great cast. Um, yeah. This has got Jane Fonda. It's got Candace Bergen, Mary Steenburgen, and Diane Keaton. So right there, you know kind of what you're getting into. This is going to be in the vein of as good as it gets. Um, something's got to give. It's a bunch of gals getting together for their book club and trying to make their way through the later stages in life. And it looks like it's going to be a good one. Right. Very appealing yeah. to, a, to a, again, a set audience. So yeah, most that definitely. sets up pretty well. That also on May 18th. The following weekend, then, is when we get to this year's Star Wars entry. And that this is Star Wars movie. Yes. For this year. Yes, this year's entry in the Star Wars canon. It's become an every year kind of thing now ever since the purchase by Disney. So... I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like... Six months away after Last Jedi, we've got another one. That's right. And I was thinking about that the other day, going, when is the day going to come when I am going to leave Star Wars behind? I, I wonder if there will be a day... Will there be a day? ...where that will come. It used to be you'd wait three years, and then in between trilogies, it was like maybe 18 years. Right. Now it's six months. But here we are, uh, with the director's chair changes 
out of the way now after Lord and Miller were replaced by Ron Howard. Here we are with Solo, a Star Wars story. Alden Ehrenreich will take his place as the great Han Solo and step on in there with a pretty nice cast of characters. Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark is going to be on the silver screen, Donald Glover stepping in as Lando Calrissian, and of course we'll see Chewbacca hanging around there as well. Plus, you guys, there's also guys like Paul Bettany and John Favreau who also find their way in here as well. Come in from the Marvel end of things. Correct. Keep in mind. Correct. Yes. So uh, here they are, and. From the previews, I still don't really know what we are going to be getting ourselves into. I mean, Alden looks like, you know, he's he seems like Han Solo. Yeah. He, he seems like Han Solo. I still don't know what we are wading into, though. It looks like it's going to be just your your classic adventure flick, but are we going to get something a little bit more than that? How much substance will there be to this? I don't know. This This all just feels okay. I'm hoping it'll surprise and be a little bit more than just okay but it all just seems okay for now is that how you're feeling going into this i think on the surface it looks like yeah it looks interesting i think underneath i think they're holding back a lot of good surprises and i'll tell you one of the reasons it gives me a lot of uh positive vibe toward this movie all the directing stuff aside which officially by the way we talked about how are they going to give the credit of directing Ron Howard did enough of this movie directing that it will be officially directed by Ron Howard. Okay. The other two are going to get um, some sort of a credit of I forget what exactly it's going to be. They will be mentioned on the special features. Some, no, it'll be on, on the, the main. It'll be like special um, screenplay something something. I forget what it is. They will be mentioned, but they're not going to get the directing credit because they directed less than half the movie. Right, which we discussed on an earlier episode. Yeah, but Lawrence Kasdan and his son wrote the movie. And Lawrence Kasdan, if you don't know him, he has a very good pedigree in this regard. He, he does. He wrote Empire Strikes Back, or most of it. He wrote a lot of uh, Return of the Jedi. He's done Indiana Jones. And I'm talking the good movies here. So he's got that pedigree. And he's done some other great movies that are not in the Star Wars genre that are very character-driven. They're well-defined. Go look up Silverado. Um, that was another really good example of a Western that he had done. He knows his stuff. So he's back into what really kind of where he got, maybe not a start, but he really got noticed. Getting back into Star Wars, he and his son together wrote a really good treatment that on paper people were really excited to see. So now we get to see it. So if it was that exciting to that stage of development, I look forward to seeing what it'll look with all the polish on it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it looks like this is... I don't know if you want to call it fully an origin story, but it seems like there's going to be a lot of yeah. setting the the course of events in motion that's going to happen here within this story. And from what I'm reading, a lot of the criminal underworld of the Star Wars universe, and we're going to get pretty deep into that smuggler's paradise right here with what we're going to be wading into. Plus... How cool does Donald Glover look as Lando Calrissian? He looks like he fits it to a T. He's a good-looking cat in this thing. I was never a huge Lando fan, but this might change my perspective just a little bit. So, you know, and I think I think it does look good. Han Solo, remember, is not a good guy. He just gets aligned with the good guys, but he's very roguish. Where did that all come from? He's not going to be. He's an anti-hero, is what he is. So you have to be the bad guy, so to speak. To become the anti-hero. You're never right. fully the good guy. And that's that's Han Solo. So another one, a good one for you kids that are looking to have some fun that just kind of grabbed my attention is called How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Not only is it a, a comedy, it's a sci-fi. And it's got a very young cast. It looks like it's going to be a quirky offshoot 
um, that looks to be pretty good, I think. It's really one of those that is going to come in from out of nowhere. Or if you wonder where Ellie Fanning has been for yeah. the past few years, well, here she is. <laughs> this one looks like it's got every possible opportunity to be good. It really does look like it's going to be something for the kids that is going to be, I don't know how to describe it. It sounds like an interesting hodgepodge. But it Let's could be... just say it's the more older kids, by the way, because it is rated R. Yeah, think of it like a sci-fi twist on Superbad. How about that? As, as, that's, that's how it strikes that's me. That's a really interesting way to put it. That's how it strikes me. Of course, I can't be specific because I haven't seen it. I can only pass on my um, impressions. But it does look very, very interesting. Uh, I, I would kind of like to see it. I won't lie. I would. It does seem quirky enough that it's going to be pretty good. Here's another one that I saw. I don't very know if you... 1970s, it seems. Yeah, yeah. another one kind of like Superbad. Even though it's set modern, it's got sort of a retro vibe to it. So at least the opening credits definitely did. Here, so we get to June. Do you have anything else in May that you wanted to bring along? Not really. I, I think you covered most of the main ones as well as the under-the-radar ones. Yeah, then June comes along. Then comes June. I got my hands on the trailer for this one, and I really would like to see it. It's called Upgrade. Leigh Whannell, who you might know from horror movies. He's done Insidious. He did um, uh, Saw. So he's got a pedigree in horror. Now he's getting into action. And the story here is you've got a war veteran that is paralyzed, and his wife is killed. So they give him a chip in his brain to allow him to have mobility. But the chip becomes much more than people thought it would, and he becomes almost an unstoppable. It seems to be a very, very quirky, very probably in-your-face action. I think it's going to be a very high-octane, maybe even gory is what the impression is. It does have a red band trailer to it, so if that tells you anything. But if you know what this, what Lee Wannell is capable of, it really could be something special. Um, it does look very interesting. It looks very hyper-violent would be a good term to put it, but it does look witty in the same way that um, the kick-ass was. Hyper-violent, but extremely witty, very well done, is my impression. If you're looking for your Johnny Knoxville fix, you also have the opportunity <laughs> on June 1st as well. He has taken a, a departure from his usual filmmaking, shall we say, and gone into a different route involving a story this time with Action Point, which I've seen uh, trailers for, and it looks like it is going to be just ridiculous in terms of the the on-screen um, hysterics and the on-screen uh, pain that is going to be inflicted and the on-screen stunts <laughs> that will be shown as well. So it looks like it's go- it is going to be nuts. That's also coming out June 1st. Three words I did not expect to hear this morning. Johnny Knoxville fix. <laughs> Usually something needs to get fixed after Johnny Knoxville has come through. Generally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you figured out the, the you figured out maybe the uh, the irony in that. Yes. Then we have another good comedy that's coming out. Does look good. Ocean's Eight. That's you've got right. A, you've got that's an all star. Now here's one elephant in the room worth bringing up. You've got the Ocean's Eleven franchise, which technically this is a part of. Um, without getting into all the backstory. I hate to bring up the dark side, but this is during the Me Too movement now. Maybe things are different. But what happened a few years ago when Ghostbusters came out? It was an all-girls version of an established franchise that people liked, and it was pretty much a male-driven franchise. The Ocean's Eleven, yeah, you had Julia Roberts. Yeah, you had Catherine Zeta-Jones. But they were on the background side, so to speak, of this ensemble comedy. It was all about Matt Damon. Well, they did still play a pretty important role. Oh, they most definitely did, but they weren't even in the third one. You know, this was all about Clooney and Damon and Affleck. Um, I hope that this is not going to be some sort of a pushback the way that they had with the female Ghostbusters, which, while it wasn't 
spectacular like the original Ghostbusters was. It was a good movie. I think there's every reason that this is going to be a good movie. I hope this is not going to go into that kind of territory. That being said, the movie on its own merits, it looks good. It looks impressive. Great cast. There's every reason that this thing's going to float. I am a huge Oceans Trilogy fan. Yeah. I am a massive Oceans Trilogy fan. It is right up there among my favorite movie trilogies. So I am... I really hope that they, if they do have certain tie-ins, which I know that already that they have a few tie-ins to the original Ocean's movies, I hope that they don't just play directly off of that. I want them to find their own vibe and their own beat with yeah. this. I think that was part of the problem with Ghostbusters. I don't know if they necessarily found their own vibe and their own beat with with that movie. They didn't really come up with anything new. Right. I hope that they are able to to do that here with Ocean's 8 because I think it can work, and they've got a, a great cast. I mean, look at that cast, how sensational oh, yeah. that, that collection of ladies is. I, I really want it to work, but I want them to find their own particular vibe to this and not try to go completely off of the, the slickness of, of the original three. Find your own vibe, make it work that way, and if it does... I'll be thrilled. I'll be absolutely thrilled if they can do that because I would like this movie to work. Well, and they got a good lot of help in the director's chair. Gary Ross is a very competent director. He did the first Hunger Games. Um, he can also do stylish and do it well. There's a movie from the late 90s called Pleasantville. Well, that already is a good start. They went a different oh, yeah. direction in terms of the director's chair and some of the behind-the-scenes people for this. So that's a good start. Yeah, I, he's a very competent director, and that's a big step. You've got a great writing team. You've got an amazing cast. There's every reason that all those ingredients are there. Now we just got to see if there's enough yeast to make this thing rise. You know what I mean? You got it. So here's an interesting one. You don't think action thriller and think Jodie Foster in the same voice. But if you ever saw Panic Room, got a lot of help from David Fincher. Well, now you've got Jodie Foster back in Hotel Artemis, another action thriller. It does seem like it's going to be more of a thinking person's movie, so it's not all about glitz. It might be a lot of substance. And clearly you've got an established uh, you know, lead actress with Jodie Foster. Sterling K. Brown is in it. Sophia Butella, who's really coming up. Jeff Goldblum. Um, it does have a pretty good cast. It does look like it could be a good one. Hmm. Um, Drew Pierce has got an established background, so this is one of those that might come out of nowhere. I've not seen a trailer for it. I've just kind of read a synopsis about it. Um, but it is one that I've kind of got my eye on, and it could be one that could be interesting. Good time to remind everybody the Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, which is the home of $5 Tuesday, as well as a lot of great movies that you can catch locally right here in town. Here's a great, and speaking of $5 Tuesdays, what a great opportunity for the tentpole movies that you know four months in advance, you're going to be there to see it. Um, how about those ones like Hotel Artemis or others? Like, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I want to spend that kind of money and not like the movie. $5 Tuesdays. It's a $5 ticket. Get yourself a beverage and the popcorn is free. I mean, right. what, what better way to have an experimental, uh, try it. That's right. It, it's like broccoli. You know, you might like it. That's a perfect time to do it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Depending on what's in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever see the first Incredibles movie? I did see the first Incredibles. I am very conflicted on there being a sequel. Really? I don't... Is it the Pixar sequel craze? Yes. Okay. That's my problem. I'm I'm going, Pixar, come up with some new ideas, please. Come up with some new ideas. But anyway, pick, uh, here we are. Pixar has come out with The Incredibles 2, which is coming June 15th. Like it or not, it is on the way. I've seen the trailer a couple of times now. 
Better Call Saul. Bob Odenkirk <laughs> is going to have a voice. <laughs> you know, I will say this. I think nobody was asking for Cars 2, Cars 3, Planes 2. I think those were those that they weren't asking for. The Incredibles, people, but I would love to see another one. I would love to see a sequel. This one designed for a sequel. Toy Story, they finished great with Toy Story 3. Now they're going to do 4. That might be one where people are concerned you might push it too far. Yes. But Incredibles 2, yes, bring it. I would love this. I, they showed that trailer before Avengers, and the whole place was like, yeah. It was, yeah. Apparently I'm in the minority then, although you are right. With the way they set it up, it was the kind of movie that would be suitable for yeah. having a follow-up to it. So that's that's reasonable. Same weekend. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, same weekend. I don't know if you're going this direction, but you know what looks interesting? Tag. Yeah, that's where I was Doesn't going. Doesn't that look really interesting it... with the cast that they have and the whole concept? <laughs> a couple of buddies who have a, a ongoing game of tag that has never ended? That And that is funny. This is going to be one of those. And look uh, at that cast. Tell, everybody is in this cast that knows what they're doing. And then you get a couple surprises like um, uh, Jeremy Renner, who you wouldn't think is going to be in this movie. Like what? Yeah, John Hamm? What, yeah. what is going on here? He can do it all. You Ed know. Helms, sure. Yeah. You've got, um, uh, oh, I can see your face and her name. I can't say it, though. She married to Sasha Baron Cohen, Wedding Crashers. What's her name? Elsa Fisher. She's very, yeah. very talented. Um, this is Rashida not, Jones. Is Rashida Jones. Yeah. You've then, got a group of friends yep. that for 20 years or whatever it's been, is the exact same game of tag going on all those years. It keeps them together as a group. But at some point, is it time to start growing up? You know, Or is this something that you should really embrace because it's kept you together as a group? You know, I could see it's going to be a good comedy, probably at times raunchy comedy, but with the feels. I get a feeling. It'll be a good one. It looks nutty. It and, do- but but that cast, I, that's what really surprised me when I saw that. I was like, look at this cast. Oh, yeah. And then you get to the end of June. Yes, June 22nd. That's where we get to the sequel to Jurassic World. This is Fallen Kingdom. And... We're bringing back Dr. Ian Malcolm, and I am so excited that Dr. Ian Malcolm is coming back, even though I think they're just stretching this out as much as they possibly can at this point. Yeah, you know, some of the Jurassic Park movies, the first one was fantastic, obviously, and while The Lost World, the second one, was pretty good. By the time we got to the third one, it was, let's just concoct any reason to get people on the dinosaur island just so we can watch them run and scene. It was kind of hollow toward the end. Jurassic World, I liked Jurassic World. I found a way to kind of reboot it, paid a lot of homage to the original. Mm-hmm. So now you got to come up with something new. If this is just one of those things, well, there's a volcano on the on the island that could detonate and wipe out an entire species. You know, if that's the reason to get them on the island and there's really no plot other than run from that dinosaur over there, then I'm going to be in the camp of it's entertaining, but eh. And there's talk about doing an entire trilogy, and this would be the second one. It seems like the dinosaurs are getting off the island in this. I've in heard this about I've heard about movie. that one Plus, too. Did you see that image in one of the trailers of one of the water-faring dinosaurs coming up in one of the waves that was coming to shore? No, I didn't see that. Oh either. man, that was actually kind of terrifying looking. I was like, oh man, this is. This is like Jaws for dinosaurs right here. It does look, well, <laughs> dinosaurs and Jaws would be pretty good. Then we've got another one. This is one that's a sequel that I'd not seen the original to. It's on my, I gotta see this someday. Sakaro was like a, was a, was an action crime thriller 
I've not seen the original, but I've heard nothing but fantastic things about it. So now they've got the second one, Sicaro Day of the Salando. Salando, is that how you say it? Soldado. Soldado. There you go. You've got Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, again. again. Goonie does good. You've got Catherine Keener, um, Isabella Moner. You've got, um, it's got a great cast. My guy, Jeffrey Donovan. Jeffrey Donovan, your guy. Uh, th- I, I've got to see the first one, so I really big Burn Notice fan. That's why. I, do, do you have it? I'll I'll trade you Deadpool for Sicaro and a. Watch. I don't I don't have Sicaro, but I I said I'm a big Burn Notice guy. That's, well, then that's you're, what it you're is. just not helping me, Jeffrey Donovan. Sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so we're talking about um, you know, is it time for another family comedy in the in the in the genre of um um? Oh, come on, help me here. Um, Hughes, what's his first name? Did the, did the breakfast club? Um, oh, come on. I can't, John Hughes. Thank you very much. I can't believe that I couldn't hit that name right away. This is a guy that did some interesting coming of age comedies and some were actually pretty good. Uncle Buck. This sounds kind of like it's a companion piece to it, although it's not connected in any way. You have Uncle Drew. Uh, Uncle Drew. I don't think it's the same. It's not a sequel. I, I'm not trying to. I'm only trying to make no, a comparison this, here. This is this is not a sequel, Dave. It's not a sequel at all. But it's this I, is this is a standalone basketball movie. Yeah, is what this but it's is. a family comedy. Is what I'm trying is what I'm trying to get to. I probably made a bad analogy, but think of it as um, uh, John Hughes doing the Mighty Ducks. It's kind of what it comes across as to me. Except rather than hockey, it's basketball. Well, do you know the story behind Uncle Drew? No, tell me more. Uncle Drew is this fictional character who originally started out in a series of commercials and was is this basically this old guy played by NBA superstar Kyrie Irving. And and it took off and became such a following and people enjoyed it so much that they decided that they are going to make an Uncle Drew movie featuring not only Kyrie Irving but a host of other NBA past players who are, are going to come and be a part of this. They're going to have Shaquille O'Neal, Chris Webber, Reggie Miller, Nate Robinson. They've even got Lisa Leslie who's going to be in this. So Nick Kroll also is playing a role in here too, so he's adding some of the comedic element. But it's it's a movie essentially for a lot of people within the NBA universe who are going to have a lot of interest in this, plus other people who just love a basketball-related comedy. So you might calling it Uncle buck comparison was a probably a bad way to go because there's in no way even like uncle but i was trying to go for it's a family comedy with sports and eh, don't listen to i'm my not analogy. sure what to make of it yet so <laughs> it, it looks good if you're thinking of, i want to bring the kids to something that we're all going to enjoy uncle drew right up your alley then another one that i hesitate to bring up because i think the tread has come off of this tire a while ago i think i know where you're going so this. we're going to the first purge yes not only is it a sequel right. now they're going into the prequel route um the first purge you got to think well how did all of this happen one night of lawlessness it had to start somewhere let's go back and try to re-squeeze a little juice out of this well over squeezed lemon um the first the first movie purge the first purge movie i should say um, was pretty good. It was an interesting concept. It has taken steps down from there. Um, I bring it up because it's an established thing. Some people are going to go see it. I don't know how I feel about it, but I will probably not be going to see it. Yeah, I think it's just it, it's run its course, and mainly because I think the movies have come too rapidly. That, that's been part of it. I think they've just come one on top of another on top of another, and that's how the horror genre sometimes goes. They just they they bring them along so quickly. Sometimes, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um. I, I don't. I think the I think that the last few have kind of shown that it's not doing a new territory. 
How important has Ant-Man and the Wasp become now? Yeah, big it, time. It might actually become kind of important. We're, we're getting to this later, we promise. Yes, this is uh, the, the next Marvel movie that's coming out that's directly connected to the Avengers anyway. After the Avengers, about a couple months after Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, uh, I don't want to give you a spoiler as to whether they were involved in Infinity War or not, so we'll just leave it at that. The trailer was... So now we're going to get our first follow-up. you got to think there will be some references to what happens in the Avengers. But if uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, you pretty much have the cast returning. Paul Rudd is back. Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly. The first movie yeah, was... She's, she's the new big entry She's, she's the, the new superhero at. She's the Wasp. So this is going to be a fun one. Um, uh, the first one was quirky. It was fun. It was just a great one to watch. Um, there's every reason that this is going to be another good one. Yes. If you want a kid's route type of alternative, Hotel Transylvania has a third movie that has come along now in its running movie scope. I I can't believe that. Uh, It's got three movies now. Summer Vacation is the latest one, and it's coming up on July 13th if you've really enjoyed the previous two. If you can't get enough jokes about Dracula needing extra sunscreen (laughs) at the beach... Well, then this movie's for you, but I think your your argument about too many Pixar sequels, this most definitely come. But I mean, hey, kids got to go see something. Kids will love it. Adults are going to be eh. Dwayne Johnson is around exploding stuff again, or in this case, really big stuff. Skyscraper is coming along on July 13th. Eh, this yeah. One, it, does, it looks interesting, but I think this is going to be, there's potential that this could be his step where he goes too far. Um, Rampage is working. His, 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 oh, what do you want to put it as? His, uh, personality, his, uh, electric personality is what makes these movies work. Even if they're unbelievable, Jumanji was a lot of fun. Uh, then you get Rampage. It's an interesting concept that he makes it work. Can he make complete unbelievability jumping from, you know, a catastrophe to skyscraper that even the pollster alone is getting enough people saying there's no way he's going to make that jump? Right. You know, is it going to stretch it too far? And that's three movies in. When did Jumanji come out? Followed by Rampage and then this one. That'd be like three of them within six months. He might. Josh Brolin's doing it, but he's not doing it as a But he's not the lead guy. He's not the lead guy. You know, he's not carrying the movie. So I I don't know. I love The Rock. He's a great guy. I hope good things for him, but since, I just got a feeling. Since when did this become the Josh Brolin hour here on Rick and Nick Talk Flip? <laughs> the summer of Josh. <laughs> Goonies never say die. Poof. Oh my gosh! You got. You want to watch a good another musical comedy? How about Mamma Mia? They got a sequel here to that. Here we go again. If you like your ABBA, you know the first one was pretty quirky, you know, and they even had it re-released with a sing-along version with the bouncing ball, you know, so you could sing along. Oh man! Yeah. So this, I mean, it's got its audience, and there's every reason this is going to do it again. You got Meryl Streep and Pierce. Bronson and all the rest of them back. If you like the first one, you're in for this one. Denzel is coming out that weekend as well. He's yeah. in the Equalizer 2, which is coming along July 20th as well. Uh, I, I, you know, you ever, if you ever saw the show, The Equalizer, the movie was not that show. It was, it was more like Taken mixed with a little bit of The Equalizer. The Equalizer, the show, was a former British spy who had all kinds, it's like James Bond. He's got, but James Bond in retirement. So he's got all these skills at his ability and his disposal. But he's he, been mothballed. But he's been mothballed. So he finds people that need help, can't find help, so he kind of helps them, kind of like the A-Team did. It wasn't that movie. So the the first Equalizer movie is a good movie, but it's not the Equalizer. And this one looks to be even further back that the agency's now going to try to take him out. So whatever the plot line overall was for the Equalizer's TV show with Edward Woodward as the Equalizer, 
is not what's going on here anymore. So I am I am officially pulling up my ten stakes from this one. Got it. It was a good movie. Yeah, but it's not the equalizer. You're borrowing a title of which it's not helping. Hey, speaking of sequels and movie franchises, let's go to July 27th. And coming along, Mission Impossible Fallout. Talk about a franchise that continues to impress and really come up with new things. You know, here's what I'll give to the Mission Impossible series, because I am a Mission Impossible TV guy. Yeah. Peter Graves. It's Jim Phelps. I love that series. That series, I, I love how smart and slick those movies were. I'll give the Mission Impossible movies this. It seems like they started well, then hit a bad rut. And then but then they they seem to rediscover themselves with a dedication back to real stunts and doing things on more of a on, on more of a shall we say visually pleasing manner. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, because they they do some real stunts with the stuff that they do and they go big with what they do and and all within a pretty highly strung story that they've got in terms of tightly wound with with what they've got and how they pull everything together. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, but really that's the frosting on the cake. The stunts are fantastic, but you could have great stunts on a crap movie. You know, it doesn't make me want to go see it. Uh, But if you get a really good story, I think Mission Impossible has always been about, kind of like The Equalizer, they have actually did not start out well to represent what Mission Impossible is. Mission Impossible is not about who has the most bullets and who can make the biggest bang. It's about outsmarting the other guy. And if you do it well, they don't even know you were there. Mission Impossible 2 was the biggest departure from that. It was a shoot 'em up blow 'em up movie. It was a fun movie, but it was not Mission Impossible. Then J.J. Abrams got involved in this, and he started it with Mission Impossible 3. Ever since then... It has really done some good things, from Ghost Protocol to Rogue Nation. It has really been surprising. It's been fun. It has most definitely adhered to what Mission Impossible is about. It's outsmarting the bad guys, sometimes with tech, oftentimes with your wits, and sometimes an interesting stunt with Tom Cruise literally climbing a building in Dubai, actually hanging out the back of an airplane. Exactly. And then the big stunt on this one. Well, there was the one that he hurt himself, just jumping from one building to another. Tom Cruise is not in his 30s anymore, and I don't think Tom Cruise knows that, but he's starting to uh, realize it. So, But, I mean, there's every reason that this movie is going to be fantastic. It's got a great cast, um, Tom Cruise notwithstanding, if you're Tom Cruise or not. It's just if you've not seen any of them for a while, go back and start watching from Mission Impossible Three onward. They are fun. I will be there for this one. What are you curious about from August? Oh, let me think here. You know, there's an interesting one that could be inter- uh, uh, Christopher Robin. It's a it's a family dramedy. I would call it is what it looks like. Yes, Chris. You know, if you know Winnie the Pooh, it's kind of it's kind of about that. Uh, I don't know enough about it, but it does look interesting. It's not the kind of family comedy you're going to go take the kids to that they're going to you just laugh, laugh, laugh. It looks like it's going to have a lot of feels to it. I think you'll laugh, you'll enjoy it, but it might be one of those where you're going to have a chit-chat with the kids after the fact. Well, you know, this is about growing up and that kind of thing. But maintaining your youth within yes, you. Yes, yeah. yeah, most definitely. That's Yeah, that'd be a good way to put it right there. Um, oh, what else we got? There's, uh, there's another one that looks kind of funny. Uh, it's either going to be a hit or it's going to be a dud. It'll be one of the two, not both, but the spy who dumped me. How many James Bond titles can they tweak around? Now this is based off the spy who loved me, which is a James Bond novel. It became a book. Austin Powers borrowed from that. The spy who shagged me. Now you got the spy who dumped me. 
But it's a Kate McKinnon and Mila Kunis who are, from what I understand, they get they get they're starting to have the hots for a guy. It turns out he's a spy. Well, the agency think that they're associated with him in the spy capacity. So it's women that have nothing to do with the spy world now being chased down by the spy world. Um, uh, wrong place, wrong time kind of comedy. Think right. think date night, except rather than it's a married couple, it's just two girlfriends out for a night of fun. And whoops, and it has every potential. To really be good, you got a good cast. Um, it's either going to be a hit or a miss. Simple. They're trying to find something new with the genre. Essentially, is what's going to be going on there. Kate yeah. McKinnon is following in the in the genre, the step footsteps of those that have come before from Saturday Night Live. She's really the big breakout star right now. Um, so she's doing what has come before, and not just with Kristen Wiig. You got to go back to Bill Murray and and Chevy Chase. They started there. They branched out. This is Kate McKinnon branching out, and she's got some amazing talent. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like there's much that's coming along the pipeline, though. In August, it, it seems like a quieter month yeah. than in, in previous years, at least by all appearances. Anyway, August is an interesting month, and I don't understand the philosophy behind this. You still literally have a month of summer, but they like to have their summer movies coming out in late April. I've already made this argument, but August sometimes tends to be a bit of a hodgepodge as to what you get. Uh, the big tentpole movies are kind of done by that point. I think their philosophy is let's let the chance for this movie to air for a while in theaters before kids go back to school. But I think they're thinking school starts August 1st. And it's not, it doesn't work that way. you got almost a month of school. Yeah. But you've got one movie that I'm not sure what to think about it yet, but I've wanted to see this for a long time, The Meg. It's, ba- it's short for The Megalodon. Megalodon. Is a, it really did exist in prehistoric times along with the dinosaurs. A megalodon was the world's largest shark, basically 10 times the size of a great white shark. So there was a series of books that came out in the 90s called Meg, and basically what if a megalodon still existed today? So you think it's going to be like Jaws. However, it looks like it's going to be tongue-in-cheek. It's going to be a thriller. It's going to be spooky. But it's going to have some laughs also. Well, I think when you have lines like, please to eat you or chomp on this as taglines, I'm looking at the the poster. You know, there's the classic Jaws poster yeah. that they have. Well, this in this one, they've got a swimmer swimming up to the surface. Then they've got what looks like the Jaws shark coming behind. And I'm like, okay, I've seen that before. But then you realize the Jaws shark has been, it's been enlarged past that. So you see this. Still very large shark, but it actually is not much compared to the titanically mammoth mouth that is underneath the jaw shark, and that would be the Meg. Oh, yeah. it's. I, I think it knows it's not going to be Jaws. It's not, You can't beat Jaws, so it's not trying to. And I think the marketing, it's either going to work for it or it won't. It's tongue-in-cheek. But it's also straight up horror. Some of the early trailers and teasers, you make an interesting faces like you're looking at. Yeah, some of the I'm stuff looking now. at this and it's absurd. It's it's wild how big this thing has uh, been made. Keep yeah. in mind now, the megalodon really did exist. It doesn't anymore. But it's a what if. Despite right. what Shark Week would have you believe, well, there might they had a fake documentary they tried to push off as real, and that's why Shark Week has jumped the shark. Literally, pun intended. Uh, the Meg looks like it knows what it is. It's self-referential. It looks like it's going to be a little meta, but at its heart, it's going to be a thriller. It's not a comedy. It's a thriller, 
but it's not going to take itself all that seriously at the same time. Well, the two names I recognized initially in the cast, Jason Statham yep. and Rain Wilson, would certainly lend to both sides of that coin. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. And then, uh, I think, to, unless I see, there's a couple more to talk about, but at the end of August, you get to mid-August, actually, there's one that looks, I don't know how to take this one, The Happy Time Murders. This is an association with John with Jim Henson, The Muppets, this is, it sounds like it's sort of a radio thing. You've got, again, Melissa McCarthy's back in this one, uh, behind the scenes writing it. But really, it's the Muppets, Puppet Time Theater. It sounds like it's one of those old radio plays from the past where maybe something really happens behind the scenes. But then again, you're associating murder, even if it's done comedically like Clue or uh, Murder by Death, you know. But putting the Muppets into something like this could be interesting. This to put looks it like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Kinda, sort of. kinda. Yeah. It's it looks like it's, it looks interesting. I'll put it that way. But how you combine murder with puppets and get kids to go to it and make it fun—that's a tough balancing act. But puppet Melissa, noir, puppet yeah. noir. But you get Melissa McCarthy. I'll give her all the credit in the world. She could certainly make it for the big people, but will she make it for the the little kids? That's the other question. Then I think to wrap it up, uh, the only other one that really looks to be interesting is Slenderman. This is something that's been popular. Pushed back again and again yeah. and again, this but it's, movie. But it's lived on in its own internet um, sub-community. It's If you know what the Slenderman is, he's basically this generation, the Generation Y's version of the Boogeyman. He began online as, and it's actually leaked into actual true cases. Some There was a case in, I think it was Wisconsin, where a group of girls who believed that Slenderman was real tried to kill one of their friends as an offering to the Slenderman. It's disturbing. But this is basically a takeoff of what has flourished online with the Slenderman. It'd right. be better for you to look it up on your own and learn a little more about what Slenderman is, but it could be interesting. But the fact that it keeps getting pushed back and back, I don't know how to read that. I think part of it... Wasn't it originally supposed to come out in May? I think it was supposed to come out late spring, early May. I think they were looking at it to be a summer release. But I technically think with, it still is. With the movies that were coming out, I guess it's not surprising that they decided to venture back to August. And and, and maybe and even late August at that. So now you're talking, it'll still be in theaters when fall comes around. Kind of early for Halloween, but um, it's it's something. It's If you're into the, something like that, it's, it's either going to work or it won't work. Uh, horror movies are kind of hard to gauge on that. Um, stay tuned. Best that I could probably tell you. Yes. All right. Are you ready? That brings us, I believe, to the end of summer. So as a nice reminder, spoilers are now forthcoming for the Avengers Infinity War. If you've not seen that yet and you don't want to know how things are going to go, now is the time to end the podcast, and you can listen to this part of it after you've seen it. And we will not be offended. It is totally okay. You can come back and listen to this portion of the podcast whenever it best suits you, but Going that is once. why we are saving this for the end. Going twice, and you've been warned. All right, Dave. What do you think? Did you like it? Let's discuss it. $250 million for its opening. Largest flat opening ever, I think is the best way to put it. Flat opening. Yes. Um, but did you like it? That's the that's the that's did, the bedrock. Did I like it? I left feeling that they had juggled everything marginally well. Yeah, I thought they juggled everything pretty well because that's the big big risk with this. That and was we my saw big question. we saw with Age of Ultron how it can look when it doesn't work out great. I didn't think Age of Ultron was great. I've said that before. I thought they juggled everything decently with this movie. Obviously. 
you do not get very much depth on each character when you've got a smorgasbord of characters this deep. Did you notice, because of how many characters, I didn't even realize until the movie was over, there's no Hawkeye. No. He's he's not in the movie. No. But but is that setting up for what's to come? Maybe. I, I felt that they juggled everybody decently well. But they, they, they clearly focused in on more characters than others, and there were so many strings attached to this movie in terms of story threads that it was a lot for me to keep up with. And I realized about a third of the way through the movie, wow, I am tired of the Avengers because I am just not up to speed on every single story thread coming into this movie and it would have been exhausting to be able to stay caught up. I have not seen Thor: The Dark World. I have not seen Thor: Ragnarok. I have not seen the. I have not seen Spider-Man: Homecoming. I have plan. I mean, I want to see those movies. I have not seen Doctor Strange. I have not seen Ant-Man. I have not. I've not seen these other. Some of these other movies that help make this what it is. Yeah. And. I realized midway through the movie just how much I have not been able to keep up with everything and how it is a lot to keep up with. Well, like we and, talked and, about, and a lot to juggle. Two months after Avengers, you've got Ant Man and Wasp. So they're coming out bang, 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 bang. Um, really going in, and I'm like you, I've not seen them all. I've not seen Black Panther. I think the one that was probably the most crucial to have seen was Captain America Civil War. That right. very very directly leads into what goes on here. Um, but I, at the same time, I didn't feel as much. While I missed maybe a couple of threads, I got it. I got enough of it to come up, to get brought up to speed. So I didn't feel like it was a hindrance, but it definitely helps. And then we come it to really does. then we come to two things. One. The motivation of Thanos, Josh Brolin, the Goonie gone bad. Well, What's his motivation exactly? Is it just to control overpopulation in the galaxy to kill half of the people? And that's the way. That, well, now they've got the all planet full of resources that they can just have half the people live and flourish. What's why? What's see, the, how I was, is it any different than like a virus? Right. I was kind of curious about that too. Yeah. Is that really all it's based in? Now there, there. I will say. Thanos is maybe the first really compelling villain I can think of but from the Marvel his, but from the his, Marvel movies. What's his like motivation, it, just destruction. That's that's just it, though. It is has he taken it upon himself to be this this benevolent kind of equalizer? Is that what he's taken upon himself, or is there something else behind that that really drives that? To me, it'd what's, be, the, what's the why here? It would be interesting if there was something connected to him, as if he was Death itself, as if Death was a two-legged character with a sickle that you know the sky that goes and and cuts people down because that's the balance of life. If there was something about that that was part of Thanos, and maybe there is in the comics, it's been implied. Maybe I've not read the comics; I don't know. But there was certainly nothing implied that in the movie, so I don't really get the motivation where his history is to kill half of everybody. So that the other half can flourish on the resources on a planet so you don't get overcrowding. All. Very noble of him. But why? Why doesn't he go fix potholes or something? You know, something that everybody wants, you know? Right. So I, I had problems with the motivation. And big spoiler alert, of course. Well, I like that there was sacrifice involved with yeah. having to do that, that. That he had to 
sacrifice in certain ways to be able to make that happen. But again, it doesn't get to that driving, overriding why yeah. behind him doing that it. Was, it wasn't a problem as much as it was a question. And then going into the movie, there was a lot of speculation as to, oh, so they're not going to have all this cast survive. There's no way. Oh, so-and-so's going to die. Captain's going to die. Oh, well, no. we Tony saw Stark, that straight from the start. We saw that from the start that some people weren't going to make it, and some people don't. However, before the movie's over, half of them don't. Half of the cast gets killed off. I'd say even over half. Over half, about half, kill. And now uh, some of them are going to come back. Will some of them really be gone? And that brings us to the next part that I will let you do because you feel stronger about it than I do. Well, I think since you brought it up, I think it's worth diving in on that. Yeah. We know that a lot of these characters are going to come back. So did it even work? having them disappear well, like they did at the end of the movie the movie because we know that there will be another Spider-Man movie we know we know even though it hasn't been announced that there will surely be another Black Panther movie because it was such a round uh, just an all-around success both at the box office and in terms of critically there's got to be another one that's going to be coming down the pipe and for many of these other characters there are are probably going to be other offshoot movies. I I but wonder there, if there will be another Doctor Strange one. But but, it, but there are two types of deaths in this movie. Right off the bat, like you mentioned, Loki gets killed, and maybe that was something that's a long time coming. How long are you going to have this internet, this intergalactic squabble between brothers? Might he come back? Might this really be it for Loki? Same kind of thing with Glamora in the Guardians of the Galaxy. She gets tossed off a cliff. Now as a that sacrifice. was big. That was a big one. She might not be coming back. But then in the last reel, half of them get wiped out. And it's in a way that almost seems like it's a plot device that if only they can find a way to reverse such and such. I don't think they're going to unstab Loki. I don't think they're going to pull Gamora off the cliff down. Well, the Gamora one. They think they're for real, maybe. Who knows? That one makes me very suspicious just because of the connection to Star-Lord and just how his character is. Yeah. It's still too soon to tell. It's too soon to tell, but then that brings us to the other part. Now, you do know leading into the movie that they basically filmed two Avengers movies simultaneously back-to-back, however you want to describe it. So we do know there's another one coming. Now, originally, they had said it was going to be Avengers Infinity Wars Parts 1 and 2. And then they said, well, no, we're not going to do Part 1, Part 2. They're really going to be separate movies. And then... Dot, dot, dot. And then... We get a cliffhanger with this movie. We get, like you said, Dave, the characters disappearing, and Thanos steps out of his uh, retirement of his villa. Retirement villa. <laughs> yep, and he watches the sun rise, which was something he referenced in the movie that that he looked forward to doing after everything was brought back into balance with using the Infinity Gauntlet, which he did. And then we have all these characters who get wiped out. Save for, did you notice, the original Avengers, as well as several sidebar characters in there as well. Barring Hawkeye, who never even showed up. Well. But he might be off living the good life you know with his what? family. That was from a previous movie. But You know what? I, I think he might be on the way. I think he I think might be right. on the way. But when it got to that point where the characters disappeared, I thought, okay, this is a long enough movie. It feels like there might be we might just be getting into Act Two just now, or we might be getting into the third act, and we're just going to get to a rushed conclusion here. Which I was like, "Oh boy!" And then the screen cut to black, and I was like, 
are you serious? I heard half the, th- almost most of the theaters say something along those lines and in other ways that I can't repeat. Really? What? Yep. What happened to there's no part one, part and, two? But that's just it. When they struck down the part one thing and said this was Avengers Infinity War, I my reaction was, okay, they're going to have a lot to cram in here. This is the Super Bowl. Yeah, they are going to have a lot to cram in here in order to finish this story, in order to have this have its own story, but also to finish it. But I also said, all right, good for them. You know, They're going to try to finish this out. I didn't realize... Was I naive for thinking this? I didn't realize that the other Avengers movie was still on the docket for next year, the untitled one. Maybe, but not everyone needs to be plugged in. Because they took out the part one and part two. And not only that, think about it. What has Marvel been doing in the last several months? They've been on this this caravan tour, touting this movie, touting... This is the culmination of a 10-year journey that Marvel Studios has been on. This movie, it is the coming together of this entire universe, this Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this is the coming together of it right here within this movie. And then they pull And it. then they pull the rug out and say, we are kicking the can down the line, and we're going to have come you come... Come back next come, year, kids. Yep, come back to the theater next year. For the real conclusion. The real conclusion, and I go... That's just disingenuous marketing. It is disingenuous marketing. And I have asked this question multiple times, both on this podcast and just in general. When is the superhero movie bubble going to finally burst? Marvel is testing that question majorly by how they concluded this movie. That's just coming from me, somebody who enjoys these movies but has thought, Boy, we have taken this story on and on and on and on. They are really, really testing, I think, the patience of a lot of people with doing this. They are testing the dedication of a lot of people. For me, I look at this and I go, there are jump-the-shark moments. Everyone has them. The Walking Dead, you can think of a lot of jump-the-shark type of moments there. Any TV show, movie franchises have this as well. This is a huge gamble has the potential to be i think it's a major gamble for marvel obviously people are showing up but i I, i'm disappointed i i thought it was a pretty good movie but the way that they ended it like that with the way that they have touted things with this being their 10-year celebration and saying this is the culmination of the story i'm disappointed with, with the way that it was a bit disingenuous like that i don't have a problem with cliffhanger endings i understand why they did it yeah i do but but they they made it like it was an ending, and yet it's not an ending. It's just kicking it down the line. This, their their position was, this is it. You've been waiting for this. No, we've been waiting to see the conclusion. This is not the conclusion. This is the ramp-up to the conclusion. That was mismarketing. And I think that, I mean, cliffhanger hanging, uh, cliffhanger, blah, blah, I can't speak now, cliffhanger endings are not a problem. Back to the Future 2, you knew Part 3 was coming. Six months later, it did. The Matrix, the the last two came out six months apart. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, whether you knew it was going to be a cliffhanger or not, they did, and it certainly did answer it well in Return of the Jedi. Okay, fine. But they didn't market it as being the end-all, be-all. They did this time. And in the last, call it 10 years, various different movies, various different plot devices, they have used a lot of deception in marketing they did it with james bond specter oh no no this isn't blofeld it's another guy and sure enough he did go by that name in the movie as an alias to blofeld 
Everybody knows what the secret is, so why are you continuing the secret? It's stupid. Um, they did the same thing with Star Trek Into Darkness. It's Khan. No, it's not. It's John Harrison. Oh, but that's the nickname of Khan. But it Khan. was Khan. Come on, guys. Just be upfront and honest. If you say it's going to be part one and then part two in a year, we will come. We want to see it. But don't tell us. This is it, guys. This is what you've been waiting for. Oh, oh, you're, oh, you know what? A year from now, and another $7 and a thing of popcorn and soda away, and then you'll get the end, allegedly. You know, who knows if they're going to come up with another thing. You know what? It, it feels like they set this they they set it up by by touching on certain character stories and rounding them off and i i think they use that as a, a case to say we're, we're tying off a lot of character stories here in this and i thought okay we're going to get the end of the line here for a lot of these mainstay characters well no we got tied off stories for some slightly sidebar characters in the end vision gamora loki others who we got tied off stories for and yet the big stories, we're going to get that tie-off, it looks like, next year, where some of these guys are coming to the end of their contractual lines within the Marvel movies. It's, I mean, It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Robert Downey Jr. is going to pull a Hugh Jackman with Wolverine. Uh, Logan was his last outing as Wolverine, all most likely. Um, Infinity War Volume 2, whatever we're going to call this next movie, which we might as well call it Part 2, because that's what it's going to be. Yeah. That's going to be the last we're going to see of Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark and Iron Man, most likely. And probably he's just the tip of that And iceberg. probably, probably Chris most Evans of Probably most of them. Captain America. Yeah. That's, that's another he's one, settled, too. He's made a lot of indications that this is going to be it. And i yes. got to think he's, they're not alone. And I wonder if Chris Hemsworth might be in there, too, because look who's left. The original Avengers yeah. are the ones left. Their story may very well be coming to an end in this upcoming movie while this is paving the way for the rest of the characters to start to get their spotlight as the Avengers as they move into this next phase, which I don't know how that will sustain itself. But by the way, you know what was an interesting line in the movie, which kind of sums up our frustration? Remember when, when Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, which by the way, I don't know how Benedict Cumberbatch got roped into all this. He, I mean, a, an actor like that, and here he is, and he's in with these superheroes. I'm, I just look at it and go, "This is kind of weird." But remember when <laughs> he said, like "Remember when he said we're in the end game now?" Yeah. I, I thought that line summed it all up. Just how disappointing this was that this was not the end game when it had, in so many ways, been touted as the end game. I thought that line summed it right up there. We're in the end game now. No, we're not. We're in the beginning of the end game. Which, by the way, Avengers Endgame sounds like a pretty good title for the upcoming movie. And maybe they'll call it that. You know, what they're really in is, is in a shift. Um, Avengers is like any other franchise. It's like Star Wars. It's like whatever. At some point, you need to start fresh. You know, Princess Leia's not around anymore. Han Solo's been killed off. At some point, you need new actors. You need new characters. At this point, they will, uh, hopefully, tie it off with Avengers Part 2. Um, but you're going to need a new cast because they're not coming back. They're going to restart. Based on what's happened with this one in a year when Part 2 comes out, how are the fans going to respond? I'll bet you money the box office is going to be a little less than what it just pulled in now. And when they do restart the Avengers overall phase you know, 2, whatever they want to call it, they're going to start from scratch again to build up again. I don't think a lot of the audience is going to take that trip with them. Right. And here's the thing. This comes back to something that, that frustrates me so much about movie franchises. 
is there ever an end to the story? Because story matters so much. We've talked about this before. What makes great movies? That they have a story, that there's a beginning, and that you also know how to tie it off and make an end. This story just goes on and on and on and on and on. And this movie is the latest proof. Well, look at comic books. Comic books have been around forever. Do the stories ever really end? And when they do and they try to go in new directions, I mean, Superman gets killed in the comics, and then, of course, that gets mirrored in in the movies. They restart. They come back again. Sometimes they reach the end of the story in an unsatisfying way, so they find a way to restart kind of from the beginning. So comic books, if they don't really have an end and these stories don't have an end, then the movies aren't going to have an end. But like Indiana Jones, each movie is self-contained. It's like a day in the life, right. so to speak, a week in the life That's of an That's how James Bond works. Yeah. You know? But each story has its end. It has its end. They really don't connect to one another. They have with the Daniel Craig era a little bit. But overall, not really connected. So it's a week in the life of the archaeologist, of the superhero, of the space hero, whatever. But the Avengers are not like that. They're very involved. And if you don't know what has come before over a decade's worth of movies, there are some components you're missing missing out on. And that's why I think it would behoove them, if this is going to continue, if they are going to continue churning out superhero movies in this way, they need to find a way to end some of these storylines to end them and find a way to then begin again within self-contained type of stories that might keep the same actors and actresses in place. Maybe you don't have to do a full reboot like we've seen time and again with superhero movies, but that's been such a problem, hasn't it, with superhero movies? They don't find a conclusive ending. Spider-Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. But as a studio, why would you want to? And then what they do is they go back and they reboot. But as a studio, why would you want to? It's made to make money. You know, and I'm and say what you want about Spider Man. But Spider-Man. then take the James Bond principle. Sure. Come up with a new self contained story within another movie yeah. or set of movies. If you're not gonna have Robert Downey Jr. come back as Iron Man, why kill him? You know, and they haven't killed him, but who knows what they'll do in, in the next Avengers movie. Maybe they will. You know, even if you follow the comic books, there's more than just Tony Stark wearing the suit. So why does Tony Stark go off with Pepper Potts and live happily ever after? But the Iron Man character continues. I didn't know they were engaged, by the way. That Yeah, that was from something else. Yeah. But, you know, take Batman, for example. There's not just one Robin. There's been a bunch of different guys named Robin. Some of them have been killed. Some of them have been paralyzed. But Robin continues. Um, why can't that be the case? You know, this, this version of the character is done. He doesn't need to die because they're going to recast the role, essentially. Let them have a happy ending. Or or kill them. But come up to an end. That's why the Batman trilogy was ended so well. Yeah. Because it did come to an ending, and yet it left room for somebody else to take up the cowl in the future. And and then Or begin anew with Robin and and that element to it. It found a way to close off that story while also leaving the threads open for somebody else to create their own story, which eventually then was done. Yeah, or leave it completely his own thing and do another. There will be more Batman movies, obviously. There's talk whether or not Ben Affleck comes back, but that's a whole other thing. You know, it'll be its own, completely unconnected to the Dark Knight trilogy, and that's a good way to do it. When the Avengers gets their restart after part two, that's really what it needs to be. How about that for spoiler-laced? Yeah, very spoiler-laced. But, but, I, I, but thought, I thought that was a pretty thorough discussion of, of not only this movie and the elements of this movie, but also what does this mean in the future for Marvel? Because well, I, you... I, I said it out loud at the end of the movie. I was like, 
we are all just tumbling down the rabbit hole and there is no end in sight. Did you see the end credit scene? I did, and I want to discuss that with you. Real quick, um, because I know we're starting to run low on time with a long podcast today. We're going to have podcast part one and two before we're done. Um, Captain Marvel is really what it's leading to. If you know who Captain Marvel is, um, is going to be most likely making her debut in uh, Avengers Infinity War Part 2. That symbol at the end of uh, Nick Fury sending the text for help, Captain Marvel. Who else do you think is tied into that? Because this is where Ant-Man and the Wasp comes in. Because remember there was something mentioned within the movie of a couple of the guys going into deep cover? And I believe Ant-Man was one of them who was mentioned. And I, I believe that Hawkeye might have been one of the others who was mentioned, unless they are finished with Hawkeye's story, but they got to get him from that cabin in the wilderness. From what I understand, and I'm not the comic book expert, so I might be talking out of my left ear, but uh, Hawk, Hawkeye undergoes a bit of a transformation where he changes his name, essentially. Like Robin becomes Hot Nightwing in Batman. Yes. Same guy, different character. So he changes his name to some other name. I can't remember what it is. And he comes back as... What's his face? You know, Hawkeye 2.0, whatever we'll call him. That is what a lot of people are thinking is going to happen when Avengers Infinity War Part 2 comes out. It will be Hawkeye, but it'll be the new version of Hawkeye and Captain Marvel and possibly Ant-Man and the Wasp. One of the things they've been quiet about, even though the movie largely has already been filmed, um, they've been really quiet as to who's in the cast. They've done a lot of misdirection. Um, and they've included cast members from previous movies that are not going to be in the movie because they don't want you to know that maybe that character died earlier. You know, for example, Michael Rooker and uh, his Blue Alien and the Avengers, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. There's so many titles, I can't keep them straight. They kept his name in the credits even though he got killed off because they don't want you to know. So it's, it's a nice misdirection, so to speak, but it's the kind of misdirection that's acceptable rather than just saying, oh, no, 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 this won't be a cliffhanger, and then it's a cliffhanger, you know? But yeah, it seems like Captain Marvel is going to be a big part of spearheading this in, yeah. in a major way because this is it, this is in connection and this is just quick research to Shield's counterpoint organization Sword yeah. and what they do to counter alien threats that come in from outside of our universe. So this is one. Will of those... that pull in other characters? I wouldn't be surprised if other characters get pulled well, in and come half, along, along with Captain Marvel, who is the shortly cast coming. got wiped out at the end. So you're going to need some names in the credits, you know, because half of them are gone. So whether they're going to come back or not, we'll see. Some of them I, will. I think we're going to see a lot. We're going to see pretty much all of them find a way to come back. They're they're going to get everybody back in some way. The question is how, and then the question is what is the what are the repercussions after, and then what happens with Gamora with Loki. But I but I think there will be a cost that will come with it. We're gonna we're going to see. We'll I think, see some. some of them we'll go. see some threads of it in Ant Man and Wasp since that's a Marvel and they are kind of part of the Avengers. They were in Civil War anyway. Um, Ant Man was in that one. Um, there will be some talk about repercussions from the Avengers Infinity War. But they're really quiet about the next Avengers movie because, obviously, they don't want to give away a lot of spoilers. The more you talk about it, the more you're going to get some hints as to what's going. So now that the movie's out, probably give it a little more time that it'll be out, more people to see it. And then they'll start maybe starting to, in on the back burner, starting to talk a little bit more about the next Avengers movie that's targeting May of 2019. Right. And that perhaps will wrap it up. Think about it. 
We just got ourselves a two and a half hour movie preview that for ended the next up becoming movie. a preview for the next movie, and we didn't even realize <laughs> that it was going to the be that. Problem. It was yep. really talked about as this is the Super Bowl, you guys. I've never seen one Super Bowl that had to have a second Super Bowl to conclude the Super Bowl. Right. It doesn't work that way. The Super Bowl, when the time runs out, and on when the you clock, look at that it. running time, you think we're going to get the ending here, even though it's going to be super bloated with all these characters and all these stories. Nope. Yeah. Nope. You we were naive. But let's let's finish let's finish the podcast with a review like this. The movie in and of itself, we have our issues with it. We had our issues with Star Wars: The Last Jedi, but I liked it. I liked it too, and I liked the Avengers. It was. I a, thought it was okay. It was a good movie. I loved it. I'm not giving it nine out of ten stars. I gave it, I think, eight out of ten stars. It's better than average. It's a good movie. That has it was better than Age of Ultron in my book, but still not great. Yeah, it was better than Age of Ultron. It wasn't as good as the original. It wasn't as good as uh, Civil War. It was good. It wasn't spectacular. I don't think it lived up to the hype. I think the hype was part of what this movie was. It's hype for what will be the next one. So it's not completely self-contained. It feels like a linchpin from everything that has come before and leaving it as a cliffhanger. It's what's going to come afterwards. So really, that's what this culmination movie is. It's a linchpin, and that's not the definition of a culmination movie. So that in of itself gives me problems. If you walk into this movie and you've seen nothing before it and you have no idea what you're walking into, you're going to be lost. You might be entertained, but you're going to be lost. Um, I think it's a good movie, but it's deeply flawed. Yes, and you've got to be prepared for all the threads that are going to be coming into this movie in terms of storyline. It's worth mentioning because there's a lot of them. I, you know, Next year, about this time, Rick and Nick talk flicks when Avengers Part 2 comes out. Be interesting what we're going to be taking away from it with one year removed from this movie, how the fan base has responded, and finally how the the next movie will live up to it. There will be people dragging other people into the theater because of the fatigue that they are feeling. (laughs) And how many of those people being dragged in went running in the other night? Know what I mean? Yes. We'll, We'll see. We'll see if this is truly where the bubble bursts, if this truly is where the fatigue sets in. Or if this thing just keeps going and going and going. Or is this the time where James Cameron finally gets to see the bubble burst like he hoped? And yet here he is saying he wants to produce five Avatar movies or whatever. And I just think that's absurd. I don't know if there's enough of a bubble with Avatar anyway. But that's a whole other debate we can have. Yeah, we could get into that another day. Hey, this is going to be a fun summer. Avengers notwithstanding, a lot of good movies. And only some of them are going to be comic book heroes. And you know what? There's not one DC in the bunch, I don't believe. No, so, they've really they've really gone quiet. They're going back to the drawing board, and maybe that's not a bad thing. So it's going to be a fun movie, and take advantage. Some of the best summer movies are not the tentpole movies. Right. They're the quirky movies. You got it. Go look, uh, go look for a bunch of movie trailers of things that are coming out, and find what looks interesting to you, something that's not attached to anything else. Remember Baby Driver? Yeah. I accomplished that last summer. What, if, yep. what is going to be Baby Driver of 2018? You know, it could be a fun one. So make sure you go out, see something fun, and what a great place to see it at the Bemidji Theater. I mean, that is, in a lot of ways, my summertime headquarters station. Love to go in there. Yes. On a hot summer day, go in a nice air-conditioned darkness, get a soda, get a popcorn, whatever you like, and just be entertained for two hours. Thanks to them for being the sponsors of this podcast as well. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And thanks for joining us today. We will see you at the movies.